Hey y'all, and welcome to Geek Freaks. Today we are talking Picard Season 1, Episode 7. I'm with Jonathan. Jonathan, how you doing? Hey, hey, good. Good, how you doing? So, what'd you think of this episode overall? It was good. I like it. I like that these episodes aren't uh, predictable. You know, the story's kind of, um, you know, it's it's changing a lot. It's not sticking to the tradi- traditional path, so uh, I'm liking it. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like they have a different format for every episode, which is interesting. I, I'm liking that. It's keeping me on my toes. Uh, let's go ahead and start with this. We seem to always have these flashbacks in the beginning of every episode. So this one was uh, on o- Okina three weeks before. Agnes was approached by Commander O. And we find out that uh, O knows everything about Agnes and, and her meetings with Picard and everything. Uh, and then she mind melts with her and showing her the future if the synthetics are allowed to exist. Uh, yeah. What do you think about it? I thought that was awesome for us to, that was awesome for us to see, to get to see, you know, mind meld with, you know, how they were able to portray it in this. But I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, as as a, a Vulcan, is she, is she able to predict the future? I don't, or yeah. is this mind meld simply what she mentally imagines is happening? Because I don't, I don't remember Vulcans having predictive abilities. I don't think so. Yeah, that's really weird. So I don't know if she's, uh, has information that we don't know yet. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe she's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense that she's able to like, oh, here's the future. That doesn't exist. That's not how that's supposed to work. Yeah. So, I mean, unless, yeah, she must have gotten it from some other resource perhaps. Right. And now she's just passing it along. But, uh, yeah, that seems kind of like easy to bend somebody to your will by showing them something so distressful, so scary that, uh, oh yeah, you know, whatever you say, whatever it takes to stop that from happening. But who's to say she's, you know, reliable in that? Yeah. I, I wonder if maybe it's like a hologram that they're running or because we saw like the, the earth being destroyed. So uh, maybe there's a simulation yeah. or something like that they ran. I don't know. There's there, It just created a lot of questions. But now we know why Agnes is, is so um, driven to make sure that this this mm-hmm. goes through. Uh, she also takes this like pill, this like blue pill uh, mm-hmm. that's used for tracking. So that's why they're able to keep, keep in contact and track them. Uh, all right. So now we're back at uh, current day. And we're going to divide this up into basically three people, three sections. So let's go mm-hmm. first with Hugh and Elnor. They're left on the board cube after Picard and Soji left. Uh, Hugh is questioned about Picard's whereabouts, you know, where to find him and stuff like that. And they start to kill XBs, as in like torturing him. Elnor mm-hmm. is, uh, he's also stayed on the cube and he comes in and, and they're fighting the, the Romulans off and stuff like that. Uh, he's he's trying to help out these XBs. And Elnor and uh, during the fight, Ella, Hugh is killed by... Narek's sister. I forgot to write her name down. I even have a spot where I'm supposed to write it uh, in. Narissa. What is it? Narissa. Narissa. Thank you. So yeah, so now Hugh is is, is killed by Narissa, which is too bad because he's a really kind of a cool character. I was hoping to see more from him. I yeah. I thought he was going to steal the show. They have like quite a bit of promotional art with him in it. So I thought, oh, okay, he's going to become a, a mainstay. But yeah, unfortunately not. Yeah. So now Elnor is left alone on the ship. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think is going through Elnor right now? Like I know he... The idea is that, like, he was like, you have to find an XB to control the ship. And I think we all know what's going to happen. Um, what do you think is going through Elnor's head right now? Is he trying to get back to Picard? Is he just trying to be a good person? Yeah. Like, he still has so, a sword vowed to his cause. Yeah. And he he's a complete fish out of water now. I mean, he's never seen this kind of, this level of technology and stuff, I'm sure. So, he he's just totally lost. But yeah. he was raised with a certain mentality that he's, you know, for a cause and if he can't, you know, it, he may feel that now that he got John Luke off the board cube, he satisfied that debt more or less, maybe. Mm. And now he needs another cause, which is 
saving these ex Borgs and stopping you know uh, the Romulans from just destroying them all. Yeah. Um, so like they were saying, like when he was dying, he's like, you know, how's this for a lost cause? <laughs> yeah. And so I thought that was that was kind of cool. That so now I imagine Elnor's going to do everything he can to help protect whatever ex Borg are left there. Um, even if, assuming that it's going to, you know, he's going to fight to his own death. Yeah, we do see. So again, like he's telling him to go find out X, XP. Uh, he sees the medallion that we've seen in the past, reaches out for mm-hmm. it and clicks it, which I'm assuming is like a homie beacon. Uh, and then so we'll just go ahead and start talking about this, too, because we see it in the previews for the next episode. And it's just kind of it wraps up his story nicely. We see that seven of nine is back. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on her controlling a board cube again? So, yeah, that was kind of, that was a trip because you see uh, it in the next episode preview or whatever mm-hmm. um, that something, something's going on with the cube. It's all moving in pieces and stuff like that. Like it's trying to repair itself maybe or it's getting ready to, to you know, launch to go into warp or something. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah, you see Seven of Nine with the big um, like tentacles or whatever in her back, the probes. Yeah. And her eyes are black and, you know, obviously it looks like she's having to take control of this ship. Um, so that's scary though. Cause she's, I mean, she's probably grown a lot over the years that we haven't seen her, but at least back in the Voyager days, her, her, um, her personality, I guess, or her, her psychological status was super unstable. So to reconnect to the Borg, even for a short period would really mess with her, would really screw her up. Yeah. So to see her have to pretty much take, take position as the Borg queen for, a period of time over just a single cube, but may have thousands of drones on it. I wonder if that's going to really like, is that going to mess her up? It's, and I'm hoping this isn't like a final play for her. I'm hoping her character still has room to, to carry on in the story, but maybe she's going to have to take this cube and go crash into a planet or something like that. I don't know. I would think that she's too important to kill off. So, you know what I'm saying? Like too much of a fan favorite to kill off. Yeah. We don't know, but uh, yeah. So, I kind of liked the thing I like about her coming back is this way is it gives her a reason to leave in the first place. That way she was there to come back and help Elnor out, uh, which means yeah. that she could still be a big part of the series. It's just that we needed her to step away for a few episodes so that we can get her back. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping. And I don't know if this is good. I don't know if this is helping Elnor or if this is, you know, the, the Romulans are going to turn the Borg cube into a weapon against right. That's true. the uh, synthetics or the humans and then. That she has to stop that, I just, that dynamic. Because she's coming because of Elnor's signal, I think, is why. Because he pressed the medallion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got you. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, hopefully, she's not becomes, she doesn't become like the next big bad. Uh, I almost want her to kind of create her own faction, like the uh, yeah. Fenris Rangers that she's part of, uh, of XBs. You know, I don't know. I like the idea of her having that cause of helping the XBs. And in Hugh's name, too, because yeah. Hugh, you know, that, that's pretty cool. Though I wouldn't completely hate if she became a villain. That would be at least a, a really interesting story plot to chase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as as a spoiled fan, like as a greedy fan, I would love that just because it's more 709. But yeah. it, I just feel bad for her story arc if they did that. You know, it just feels like such a shame for them to do that That's to her. That's true. Yeah. Because she's come so far she has, just to yeah. slip into an evil way. If we think of her whole work in Voyager as well. It would be so sad to see, like, after all that work that Janeway did with her, she becomes a villain. You know, that would be terrible. That's true. Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't fit the the Gene Roddenberry way, too. That's very, yeah, he's always about hopeful future above all else. Yeah. Okay, okay. so let's go ahead and move into uh, Rios and crew. Uh, the Borg ship has them uh, tractored, right, keeping them on lockdown. They're trying to figure out how yeah. to get loose. Uh, then Eric, he start, he hops into a ship and he's chasing them down. Then they release. So they, it's obviously like, we just needed you guys to hold on for a second and Eric can catch you guys. 
Yeah, because they want him to, they want uh, Rios to lead them to the Synthetics planet, right? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would assume so, right? Because they said... Or or to Picard, but in, eventually the goal, the end game must be to find where those, where the synths are from, right? Yeah, you know what it is? You know what it is? Hold on. Uh, where that? they were going wasn't the planet, wasn't her home, wasn't Soji's home, right? So no. Narek is having to chase these guys down to figure out where Picard and Soji went. Not where the planet's at, because yeah. they already know the planet's at. Yeah, so that, that's where I'm confused. Is why why does he care? Oh, just to kill Soji too, I guess, I to so. finish her off. But okay. that's what he's telling the yeah, sister. Because like, if there's a whole planet, and then don't even worry about these this one synthetic and and the old man. Just go yeah. find the planet. But yeah, they want to completely eliminate all of them. Eventually, they realize that they're being pursued, and so they do this thing where they stop at a warp real quick. You know, they're trying to they're trying to yeah. shake him. Uh, but they're not they're not sure why they're being uh, followed so well. Agnes mm-hmm. is uh, starting to freak out and wants to go back to Earth. She's she's still kind of dealing with this Maddox thing. It's it's been a couple episodes now, but she's still dealing with that. Uh, and because she's responsible for his death, and we now we know why she's so uh, you know so willing to do such crazy things. Uh, Rios tells mm-hmm. Agnes that he thinks that the Romulans are tracking them through Rafi. Like, I like that idea of like, oh, it must be Rafi that's doing this. And here Agnes, who already is like throwing up and stuff like that, is like, it's actually me, you know. Uh, <laughs> so Agnes makes this like sort of stun gun out of the uh, replicator, which, mm-hmm. I, okay, this is, this is. Do you think it's a stun gun or just a. Uh, is it a medical device? Subdermal injection or whatever. The- okay. That makes more sense. Like the doctor used to use. Yeah. Just injects whatever into your neck. And then I I imagine it was just to give her some kind of medication. I I imagine like you did to put her in a coma so that her body is not sending out the signal anymore that it was for them to track. I like that a lot better. I was thinking it was some sort of like EMP charge that she was doing. Because I'm thinking it's like Uh, a robotic or whatever, putting out a signal kind of thing. But I like yours better that that she's doing. She knew that it was going to basically put her out. Yeah. She needed to hide hide her or um, whatever you call it, like life, life signs or whatever that was also sending out this uh, tracking beacon. Yeah. So I that's imagine. where we end up leaving them where Agnes is now uh, in a coma, uh, but they're not mm-hmm. tracked anymore. So Narek can't find them. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, and then we move on to the main portion of the show, which I was, I, this whole thing with Picard and Soji on, on, uh, on this planet. Um, okay. Hold on. I, I wrote down how to say this name. Now I don't have it with me. <laughs> Nepenthe. It was, yeah. yeah, it was the name of the episode, right? And that's the name of the episode too, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this this whole section was just, oh, it was so great. I loved it. It was so awesome to see Deanna and Riker back. This is fan candy right here. Yeah, and I loved how they made sure, like, showing Picard get back to who Jean-Luc Picard is. You know what I'm saying? It's not this, I don't know, the past episode so far, I didn't realize it until now, but he was kind of this old man who wasn't really acting like himself. And then when they had that dinner scene, which we'll get to, uh, it was like, okay, now I see what they're doing. They're really kind of getting him back into being a commander. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they they arrive on the planet. Uh, Picard is showing. They they meet this little girl whose name is. Hold on, one moment. Yeah, I can't remember her name. Kestra. Okay. Kestra. Okay. Yeah, and I thought like, oh, they're in some like primitive planet. No, it's just she's just playing and having fun with a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. When by, when walking back, she asks Soji, "Are you uh, an android?" And that's kind of the first time that Soji's actually heard that term, and it's really hitting her all. And, and of course, Picard's going on like, "Don't freak out, you know, <laughs> calm yeah. down." Uh, I think it's like when a kid falls, it was his reaction that really scared her. You know, if you just say, "Oh yeah, no, that, that was just a joke, everything's okay," she wouldn't have freaked out so much. But he turns to her like, 
Okay, so this is kind of big news to you. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to take a deep breath, sit down, recharge, whatever. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, I yeah, kind of got great. the vibe that like, I think she always kind of knew ever since she started realizing everything was three weeks old. I think she, or three months old or years. I think she always kind of <laughs> knew in the back of her mind that like, oh, I might be an android. And this was like confirmation is the way I took it. Yeah. Well, I don't think she understood that she was an android. I think she just, she knew something wasn't right. Everything yeah. that around her so far has been false, has been made up. So to me, if I was in her situation, I would have assumed that I was plugged into uh, a matrix kind of thing. Like I was I was in a holographic simulation this whole time. That's a good point because she does fake. reference that often. She says like, this is all fake. So she keeps saying that. Uh, that's yeah. a good point. All but right. But the fact that she's so such a realistic synth would be, since that's not a common or a, uh, hasn't been done yet, you know, it's kind of. Outside of the typical thinking, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we eventually show up at a little cabin, and Deanna's standing outside. We meet Deanna and Riker again, and this we find out this is their daughter. Uh, right away, Deanna can tell that Picard is sick because she's an empath, and so she has the ability to kind of, like, you know, telepathy and stuff. like. She could tell that he's sick. And so mm-hmm. that was just a really heartwarming moment because it's something I had completely forgotten about already, that he's got a limited time on the planet or you know he's got just a little bit left of his life and she could feel it right away and just oh it was just so what'd you think about that yeah that was that was heartwarming and it does kind of ground you again because we're all getting caught up in this chase and how you know exciting and thrilling the show can get and then you're like oh yeah he's dying he's gotta he's gotta you know value every second that he has especially with these old friends that he hasn't seen in a long time so i think that uh helps us enjoy the fact that he's able to slow down on this planet this time that's that we just see as a waiting room doesn't feel like a waste because in in most shows most episodes something like this would be like okay why why are they just sitting on a planet all day like right let's you guys got a big thing going on let's get caught back up but it's a a way to justify that and and be more satisfied by the fact that they're just having time to visit and get to know each other again yeah and refocus who who they are and why they're doing their things and stuff like that it's good mm-hmm. Uh, I, I one thing I really liked as soon as he sees Riker that big hug and it's just these good old friends are back together again. But I love how Riker is like shields up, scans up. His house is like a Starfleet ship, and he just <laughs> has everything ready to go. Uh, what'd you think yeah. of that? I thought it was just so, so funny. I, I like how it's immediate. It's so so Starfleet that we're not gonna wait. You know, five seconds. We're not gonna go wash our hands and sit down and make tea, and then we'll put, arm the security system. It's like, oh no, arm it immediately. Yeah. They're probably right behind us. Like. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Even he's like saying something like, "Oh, may, you might want to check for uh, what is it like cloaking or it was like Cloak is ships. it Romulans? Yeah. Oh, put this up." <laughs> like he knows too. Yeah. Like Picard's just <laughs> or uh, Riker's just so fast and everything. He's awesome. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, then uh, Kestra starts uh, com- uh, comparing Soji with Data when they're hanging out in the room and stuff. Like that. And this is kind of like Soji. She's a three. She's a three year old, but she doesn't act like a three year old, right? But she doesn't have like any friends, and her sister had just died, so there was nobody nobody around her that she could really compare it to. So this is kind of like a little bit of like just hanging out with a friend sort of situation. And they start to connect yeah. over this. And I liked the fact that she kept comparing her to Data, which, and it also reveals that Kestra hears stories of the Enterprise's days all the time, the TNG days, uh, to talk about how, oh, Picard was this amazing captain in the day, the best ever. And so you could imagine that they're sitting around the fire. They're out in this log cabin in the middle of a planet. Like there's not a lot going on. So I can imagine I was sitting around a fireplace and, Riker and Deanna are just taking turns telling stories of the old TNG days, you know? I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, eventually, uh, Riker and Picard start to talk. And right away, Riker knows everything. 
he's just able to pick up on it. He could tell like the way she turns her head and stuff like that. Like that's data. That's the way he did that and stuff. Uh, yeah. And so go ahead. What, real quick with her turning her head like that. I was wondering, I made a little note when I was watching. I was like, that was kind of cool that they do that, that little, little nod. And it might not be anything in the story, but I'd like to imagine that data was involved in some of the creation of his daughters. Cause yeah. they used his, his uh, program, or whatever. And that he wanted that to be, he wanted at least some, because he's so fascinated with humanity, he wanted at least some signs of him in them that would be like like um, genetic traits passed on from father to daughter kind of thing. So I wonder if that little nod when he when they're thinking or analyzing, if that was just his little, you know, heritage to his daughters kind of thing. That would be really cool if he yeah, purposely put that in there for that reason. Yeah, because he is always, you know, yeah, he's focused on humanity. He would want to make sure that there was traits that he passed on. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I, I've always thought about it when you see uh, Data do it, I always thought it was like him processing something. So I liked yeah. the idea, like Racker Ketchy, like, oh, she's processing something right now. That's not humanity or human, mm-hmm. you know? So, but yeah, I like the way you say that. That's that's pretty, I bet there is stuff like that, that kind of is signatures he put down as genetic code. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like though how Riker's kind of giving him this advice of like, hey, you need to be, you need to be Captain Picard again, you know? And, uh, and so... That's something that later on in the dinner, he's going to be trying to do that because of, of their conversation here. He says, handling a teenager, you know, it's a totally different thing. And that's, you're not prepared for it. Nobody really is. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Deanna, when, when he's saying that, though, when he's saying you need to be pa- Captain Picard again, what do you think he means by that? Like you need, this is a, like, uh, you just landed on a planet full of a different race and, or species and you need to learn how to communicate with them, like be humble and, and welcoming like that? Or, well, after, after or, the events on Mars... Picard kind of shuddered himself. He wouldn't really, you know what I'm saying? Like he, and and even now he's kind of running scared with a ragtag crew. Like he's, he's not playing, he's not doing things like he would do normally. And I didn't catch that until Riker starts talking about it. I'm like, duh. Um, but if you think about how he goes on future, yeah, from here on out, he's more of the like diplomatic and let's really assess the situation. Let's speak mm. clearly and plainly. Like that's one of the things that Picard has over all the other captains. If you can, you know, well, everybody compares captains. It's like geek culture. That's one of the, his big advantages is his ability to sit there and like open up and his his candor or whatever comes right through and like you trust him right away. Like he's a father figure, you know what I'm saying? That's something mm-hmm. that Picard has over everybody else. Um, and I think we see that come up later on. I think we actually see him kind of just tell her the truth that she totally accepts it because, or she eventually will accept it, you know? Yeah. Okay. What do you think about that? Yeah, I like that. I was at first, I didn't really get what he was saying, but it's because I, I haven't watched a lot of TNG, so I don't know what Picard looks like. You yeah. know, when he is being himself. Um, so I was thinking, like, does it mean be more assertive, be more captain-like, or is it be more of a humanitarian, or or just be like a father figure? I, I wasn't reading into it too much, so I was just like, yeah, we'll, we'll see what you think about it. When when he but, said uh, it, I, I thought back of like scenes where like you'd see like. Uh, LaForge and, and Riker, something like that, discussing something. And then you would just see Picard kind of sitting there analyzing everybody, everybody's conversation. And then like, boom, this is how we're going to uh, go forward with this. And I was like, yeah. I like that. That's something maybe we haven't seen yet where Picard's sitting there really kind of like calming everybody down, really focusing on the situation, analyzing everything and then moving forward. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's what I had assumed. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Deanna and Soji, they start to discuss in the garden uh, about Thad's fate and everything like that, which is the eldest son and how mm-hmm. he had gotten a disease that basically synthetics would have been able to cure, but the ban killed him. So it also shows kind of how Deanna and Riker would be really wanting to help out uh, Soji and, and this, this data's cause, you know, just another layer to all this. 
And then Soji's explaining to her how she doesn't trust anything. And I like how Diana right now she can't read. You know, she doesn't she can't use her empath abilities on Soji, but she's mm-hmm. still able to see like she's distressed. She's went through hell and back. Like Picard, you're not yeah. doing things right. You know what I'm saying? And, and she and <laughs> later on she's kind of getting at Picard's face about that. Like, come on now. You have to see she's been through everything. Yeah, I kind of like that she can't read her. I mean, of course she can't because she's a synthetic, but I like that, you know, it's like uh, you, you can't you can't use your power. You just got to go back to, you know, old school methods of just talk to the person and kind of, you know, be a, a warm voice and somebody to, to cry to kind of thing to get out of her what she needs and comfort her. So that's kind of cool to see. She wasn't able to read her, but she still was able to help her just the old fashioned way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then over dinner, which I think might be the most important scene of this episode, uh, we have them kind of sitting down and, and Soji starts to explain her side of the situation, what's going on with her and all the whole Narek thing. And there's this planet with two red moons uh, and Narek's betrayal. You know, that's something that she hasn't mm-hmm. shared to them uh, before. And then Picard uses that that kind of old school Picard, Papa Picard voice and shows how much everybody's supporting her. Like, we're here to help you. Uh, and I, I like how they were like really kind to, they need to kind of show that, Hey, this is who your dad was. And he meant so much to us. He saved my life. That's something that I don't think, I think later on, she'll kind of be more asking more questions about data. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so they kind of hinted at that a little bit, but out of that dinner, I think we kind of saw going forward, the beginning of a trust system between everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I think she still doesn't accept the fact that, data is her like quote unquote dad right uh, even though that's how everybody else sees it super clearly because she was made from his uh, matrix or his his program or whatever right um but yeah she's still trying to figure out if she really is or isn't a synthetic let alone you know where she came from so i think with time of course she'll start to peel back the layers and embrace the, you know what she finds to be true but um it's nice to see that she's at least starting to open up about it and and not necessarily embrace any of what's coming in, but but hear you know what they're trying to explain. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, we have two uh, last major scenes I want to talk about. We have Picard and Riker. They sit down on the dock of a little pond and are mm-hmm. kind of chatting about life and his disease and stuff like that. And I felt like this was a really, really what this was is a kind of a goodbye to these two characters and especially to their relationship. Like. I think Riker knows he won't see Picard again because of the disease and the situation he's in. So this is basically mm-hmm. them saying goodbye. How did you feel in this moment? Uh, I liked it. I, I like, again, seeing so many different settings. I feel like they just put a ton of money into this where back in the day, you know, if you got a red planet, you're using that same little town that yeah. was the red planet every time you go to red planet. Every once in a while, you'll just do different props. But um, this this cabin in the woods with the little lakeside and stuff, like that, it was all very beautiful and very like sentimental scene. And I like that because it plays perfectly well into this episode where they're able to just slow down, remember that Picard is dying and, you know, it is kind of just a, uh, you know, like I was saying, candy for the fans because they want to see some of these classic characters pop back in at least for a little bit. Yeah. So to, to keep interest peaked, I'm sure they're going to, you know, just try to pepper that in when they can, uh, but not necessarily prop up the entire plot with it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really nice scene. It was. I thought I liked it a lot. I feel like this was a good closure for uh, Riker's character, who was so important in TNG and Diana, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, they one thing to remember is Jonathan Frakes. He directed. I think he directed this episode. He's directed a few of these already, uh, and he directs a lot of like Discovery. He's on. He's in a lot of Star Trek stuff. 
So mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of Jonathan Frakes signature in the in the Star Trek family from forever, you know. Yeah. We actually had the pleasure of meeting him at a convention in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like four years ago? Yeah, it's been a bit. And I, of course, I didn't talk to him about TNG. I was like, I love you as Xanatos and Gargoyles. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. And he's yeah. excited about it. He loves Gargoyles. That was great. <laughs> uh, should have asked him, like, hey, so what's going on? Are we making a new one or what? Right, exactly. I'm looking at I have I have signed pens from him right above my head right now <laughs> as I'm talking. <laughs> That's funny. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, Kestra, and then we <clears throat> kind of the last important scene here is Kestra tells Soji uh, that her parents really helped her out when Thad had passed away and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. that Picard could be that for her. And I think that was kind of like, look, just see how beneficial your relationship would be with Picard. And then she also mentions like Picard needs you right now too, uh, that you know yeah. they could really work together for that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like that too. I think, I mean, it, I think it's kind of premature in Soji's life to be like, oh, hey, by the way, I know you don't know who you are, who your dad is or where you came from or where you're going, but here's this guy that could totally like be your dad if you want to yeah. just, you know, it's kind of like sign on the dot and you're going to be bound to him forever. And then he's like, whoa, 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 I barely met the guy yesterday. Yeah, he saved my life, but he could be taking advantage of me just like my boyfriend did for the last couple of years or whatever it was. That's so, something um, I didn't really think about much is how much the Narek betrayal is fresh for her and still processing oh, yeah. all that. Like, how could she trust anybody because of that? Let alone the fact that her di- identity is completely off. And I don't know how, how long the two of them were together with, with him trying to take advantage of her that way and stuff. But I feel like I wouldn't like her. I, I wouldn't trust anybody for a while. You know, you really got to have some roots in somebody before you can at least start to trust him, especially yeah. as like a father figure. So. I was, uh, and, and the fact that she still doesn't really know what Narek was trying to get out of her. So she can't really figure out what to guard from other people or what other people should be looking for in her. So, uh, yeah, it, it would take a while to be trusting. But I like that they kind of planted that seed that, yeah. hey, you know, if you do get to that point, Picard would be a great father figure to keep in your life, not just get dropped off and then not see him anymore. So, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Good way to put it. Planning the seeds for the future here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, then we had our goodbyes. Uh, this was another moment where we have two of them in this episode where they actually played the TNG music. And so that was pretty cool. little uh, mm-hmm. next-gen music. And then I think the other one was when Riker and Picard are sitting on the dock uh, talking. So I just, I mean, you know, they did such a good job with that, making sure to really pull out the heartstrings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really great. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on the episode? Um, I did like that, uh, what's the girl's name, Kestra? Kestra, yeah. Kestra, uh, she gave gave Soji a compass, the compass that didn't work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't remember, I want to say she said she got it from her brother as well, Thad, before he died. I believe so, but I'm not positive. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of cool because it's like, you know, her brother died, she needed guidance and stuff like that, so she's following this broken compass, and then she gives it to Soji when she's pretty much completely lost in life, so... I hope at some point, I hope she at least keeps that with her and it'll be like one of the things that kind of helps ground her when things are, are spinning around her kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be really okay, cool. cool. I like that idea. Yeah, I kept getting a vibe uh, while watching this. Like, I can see a future Star Trek out of this that can go forward like X amount of years and Kestra and Soji on the same ship. You know what I'm saying? Like, that'd be so cool. Because I was thinking like Kestra, who has this, of course, these two amazing parents, but also has this ability to like say you know speak multiple made up languages and like she's just got such a cool skill set that would be amazing as a starfleet officer you know what i'm saying yeah that's true that would be uh 
It'd be a cool separate story to it. Yeah. Oh. So hopefully in the future, maybe she'll become a character on like the next version of Star Trek, which they're pumping them out like crazy. There's even like yeah. little itty bitty rumors that they're working on a on a, 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 a Captain Pike version, which, oh my God, that'd be so cool. <laughs> so I'd love to see because they, they killed the them that. Right now they're on the Star Trek cruise and I'm getting pictures from that all the time and I'm totally jealous that I'm not on yeah. the Star Trek cruise. We need to make a theme park in California that's all Star Trek. I'd be I'm totally t- down. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, season passes. Right. Ask the fans, how much will they pay? I'm sure it will add up to enough to build a park. Oh, there's no doubt. Oh, yeah, there is no doubt. I mean, it would be, they, they pay a lot. They have the convention in Las, Las Vegas every year, the big one. They have conventions everywhere, yeah. but the big one. Uh, if you were to have your own theme park, you wouldn't have to pay for the rooms or anything like that. You could just have it all at your theme park right there. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, man, that'd be amazing. God. Yeah. Tell all the fans, if you all start paying, you know, uh, $20 a month or whatever for the next four years, Everybody pitch in in the, at the end of the four years, fully funded theme park, and it'll start construction, whatever. Bam. There you go. I was what just thinking like, okay, would you have it where, oh, this is Vulcan, this is, you know. But I think it'd be cool if you had like, this is Voyager, that is next, you know, Enterprise D or whatever, next generation, original series. So that you walk in and like all the people that work at the park are wearing the, that era of uniforms and are, you know what I'm saying, like. You'd mm, see like yeah. for Voyagers, you'd see Hirogen and Kazon walking around. When you, go- I would do both. Oh, okay, I, so you're I, saying I, also have like planets? They're like or like yeah, themed yeah. areas. You do, yeah, do all the ships, and the ships would be you know different rides and museums and stuff like that. But then you have something else like either you know restaurants or bars or something like that that are each a different planet. And so when you go to you know what you like, you're saying you want to see a uh, Vulcan, you know, themed restaurant or planet or something like that and then like one's just bowling in and one's all klingon and that'd be that'd be pretty cool yeah that'd be really cool yeah yeah just thinking of like the different restaurants that'd be so neat yeah uh, imagine the, going to a klingon bar that'd be oh man that'd be so much fun mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm like the vulcan yeah. bar would not be fun at all maybe a vulcan library or something like that yeah <laughs> big gift shop klingons there. would have a fighting pit in the middle of the restaurant yeah oh that'd be, that'd be a blast all right so uh Star Trek, start working on that. I <laughs> said <laughs> right. so we we just have to uh, get everybody to pitch into the Geek Freaks uh, podcast, be a patron, and uh, make it enough to uh, accumulate to where we can build a you know two or three billion dollar theme park. All right, guys, you heard it first. So just pitch into Patreon. Once we hit that two billion mark, we'll go ahead and start building the theme park. That's that's our vow to you guys. Well, I'll make it on tier. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. If anybody wants to donate two billion? Yeah. All right. Go Gates. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to be it for us this week. Uh, we have another episode coming out on Tuesday as normal uh, with a lot of news. And then I think we only have like t- maybe three more episodes of Picard. So it's coming up pretty quick. So mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun, though. All right, guys, see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.